just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello you lovely people and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show. Today's guest is Nick the Raging Panda Culture. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Guy Show. This podcast is sponsored by many different affiliates. If you'd like to support the running of this podcast, simply go to nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates and click on any of the company logos on that page. If you spend any money at all on those websites, a small percentage in commission is given back to nextlevelguy.com to help with the running. Thank you and happy shopping. Thanks very much for taking the time to speak to me, Nick. I'm really inspired yeah. by your story. Do you want to maybe just give a little overview of who you are to the listeners? All right. Um, my name is Nick Kolchar. I'm a retired Army sergeant. Um, basically, I was, a, I was a combat engineer in the military. Um, our job was to seek out and find um, IEDs or other devices that uh, could hinder other missions from taking place. Um, I was catastrophically injured in 2008 by one of those roadside bombs. Spent the better part of two and a half years in the hospital, having almost 60 major surgeries due to the amputation of both my legs above the knee. Um, since that time, uh, I've started doing things as an adaptive athlete and um, motivational speaker, just trying to talk about my story, talk about some of the obstacles I faced in life, um, both prior, during, and post-military, as well as trying to inspire other individuals through um, different events and different competitions that I do uh, to get out, get off the couch, and challenge themselves to um, not only improving their quality of life, but uh, just to see how far they can push their, themselves to possibly being the best that they can be. And you're certainly doing a very good job of it. Can you just give a little background on where you grew up, what made you join the Army, etc.? All right, so I'm originally from Flint, Michigan. Um, uh, Went to school there uh, for about half of my my secondary education. Um, moved out to Montrose, Michigan, which is where I graduated. Um, shortly after that, my father became sick. Uh, spent a couple years taking care of him till till he passed away. Um, tried to work and keep my brother uh, and put my brother through college and keep things afloat. As just life has a way of doing it, it caught up with me. Uh, few bad decisions as a young man put me in a, a financial situation where I ended up losing my home, um, became homeless, um, was sleeping on my buddy's couch, and didn't have a whole lot of options or positive outlook at that point. So looked at the military. It had been something that I'd visited in the past, um, right after high school, as well as uh, a couple other times. But like I say, with my father getting sick, that kind of took up most of my time. Um, finally didn't have really any excuses to not join or not uh, not be a part of something bigger than myself. So I joined the military, and uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. Um, just every time I speak, you know, learn more about you, the more inspired I get. Um, so you've done some amazing things, but what do you think the Army taught you? Um, you know, is there benefits that, that you could transfer into a, an everyday life? No, absolutely. Um, you know, the Army 
teaches you a, a core set of values, you know, um, honor, integrity, um, things of that nature. And those absolutely translate into everyday life. Those absolutely translate into, you know, um, how I want to just live my life now. Um, it, it can teach you resiliency and grit as well. Um, teaches you how to have to adapt to situations. Not, you know, not everything goes as planned. Um, not even whenever you're not deployed, when you're just in, in the rear, um, you know, and you're just doing your, you know, doing your daily routine, I guess is the best way to put it in the military. If you're not deployed, if you're not at war, you have a, a daily routine similar to somebody that might go to an office. You know, you wake up and you do, uh, PT, physical training in the morning. Then you have, you know, a roll call at, at a certain time. Um, you know, and then you have your work day where you have certain tasks that have to be done. Um, and it absolutely, you know, you have to, you learn that it's, you know, if you're, you know, five minutes early, you're, you know, you're, you're 10 minutes late, you know, so you learn to have to be on, you know, on time, which is actually 10, 10 to 15 minutes early to things. Um, you know, you learn how to be, you know, prepared for the situation. You know, they always say if you're in the right place with the right uniform at the right time, you're doing the right thing. And that sort of stuff just translates into regular life, you know. If you're dressed appropriately for the situation and you're in the right place and you're there 10 to 15 minutes early, you know, chances are you're already off to a good start in whatever it is that you're about to do. And there's just a lot that the military, you know, can teach you uh, basic, you know, what might be considered basic life skills that, you know, you might not necessarily get from your parents or you don't necessarily get um, from, you know, school or at any other point. Um, you know, maybe you were taught some of these things in a loose fashion, but, you know, as, you know, growing up as a child, people are, people very rarely will reinforce this sort of stuff in the, in the way or, or at the level that the military will reinforce how important these things are. So there's absolutely, uh, quite a bit that can be taken from the military. Um, you know, just the military experience being a part of it, no matter what you did. I mean, do you think that's something that a lot of modern day men struggle with is that, you know, how to be a good man, how to have routine and discipline in their lives? Oh, absolutely. You see it, uh, you see it all over the, all over the place, uh, especially nowadays you see people just like lose their shit about, you know, cause they're can't like prime example, candidate, you know, the presidency here in America, people lose their shit cause their, their candidate didn't win. And it's like, you know, you need to reserve a little self-control, maybe look at the bigger picture, look at, you know, how your actions are going to possibly have an effect or what the action reaction is going to be. Um, absolutely, you know, people just, it, you know, especially now with social media, everybody's gotten everything so on demand, it's always a knee-jerk reaction to everything. People somehow have lost the ability to take a second to think, step back, compose themselves and think, how is this, you know, how are my actions going to represent myself or represent, you know, you know, me on a larger stage? Is this, is this how I want to be represented? You know, I, when I was younger, my father, you know, taught me, you know, hey, you're a, you're a culture, that's your last name. You know, when you write it out, write it out clear so people can see, you know, carry it with pride. That's, that's who you are. That's where you're from. And, you know, the military just reinforced that. You know, my very first day in my unit in the military, I showed up in a set of in a uniform that had just been bombed out during basic training from all the all the um, corrective training. You know, like you know, where they cr make you do all sorts of ridiculousness, uh, 
physical activities to try to get you to work as a unit and as a team. And the uniform, you know, so the uniforms that you get in basic training are just usually beat up. And I showed up to my unit wearing one of those uniforms because, well, they hadn't issued me another one, so I didn't know any better. And I had this sergeant take me off to the side, and he fixed my pockets and straightened my uniform up and squared me away and said, you know, you need to get a different uniform. This is unacceptable. You know, you're representing something larger than yourself. And he's like, you look like a shitbag right now. And he's like, you need to remember that it says U.S. Army on one side. And he's like, you're representing something much larger than you. And you need to carry yourself in a certain fashion because everything that you do resonate, resonates beyond just who you are as a person. And I think people forget that. Or, or maybe, maybe people nowadays don't have something that they believe in or, or enough to want to want to carry themselves with a certain pride or respect. I'm not sure which one it is, you know, but, um, yeah, it's just people just have these knee-jerk reactions nowadays when they need to take a step back, think about how they're representing themselves and whatever else it is that they that they may be representing and, and you know, move accordingly from there. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point. Um, I was always brought up to think of others, show respect to elders, etc. And there's too many people who have that me, me, me attitude. You know, it's all about them. And it's like you say, they're not believing in something bigger, doing something for others. I mean, what do you think makes a good man, in your opinion? Uh, they need to be able to, to take care of themselves, and they need to be able to take care of that for which they're responsible for. Um, you know, you you know have a set of values, whatever they are, you know, something that you believe in, and, and, and live by those values, and hold yourself accountable. You know, we're not all, uh, there are definitely experiences, you know, that will, will be humbling, but that's life. That's what it's all about, you know, being able to, to take them humbling experiences, reflect on them, and grow. Um, and I just, for me anyway, you know, be able to take care of yourself and, you know, be resilient. Find, you know, find some level of grit within you, you know, level of resiliency within you that allows you to, to overcome because life's going to throw things at you. Nobody's going to have an easy journey. There's always going to be death and there's always going to be things that happen and obscure occurrences and stuff that's unforeseen. And it's, it's really people just lose this understanding that it's, it's not those circumstances or those situations that define you. It's typically how you respond to those situations, how you pull yourself back together, how you pull the people around you back together, you know, things like that. And um, I just, sometimes I think it's, it's lost. It's a lost art. Uh, unfortunately, in today's society, it's it's a very low start. Um, are you okay to talk about the injury itself, or? Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I was just wondering if you could give just a sort of general description about how it happened. Um, you know, because I read that you were in a hospital bed for two years, and then you've bounced back to inspire so many people, and you're inspiring and changing so many lives. But you know, can you just give a little background to what actually happened? All right, so um, I was deployed in early 2008 to Sadr City, Iraq, um, and what our mission was, what our, you know, we were there to, to find roadside bombs, find IEDs, um, things of that nature. Um, on August 26th, during one of these such missions, um, they, had a <clears throat> they had placed a, a device inside a, a shack that was kind of on the side of the road, um, and that's the best way to describe it as a, was as a shack. Um, but really what these were, these were kind of like business fronts for the locals that lived in the neighborhood. They had these what looked like little shacks or shanties, and they would kind of operate businesses out of there. 
Um, but somebody had placed a device in one of those uh, shacks. Um, our two lead vehicles missed it because it was hidden very well, and they detonated it. They detonated the device on on the vehicle that I was in. I was standing up as a as a machine gunner um, in the vehicle. Uh, the device came in on the passenger side, um, struck me directly through the through the thighs, um, and ended up embedding itself in the side of the vehicle on the on the driver's side. Um, the gentleman sitting in the passenger seat up front got lucky. He was leaning forward at the side. My sergeant that was right there was leaning uh, forward at the side, sending a message on a piece of equipment that we have in the vehicle to communicate between vehicles. And um, if he had been sitting back, it probably would have taken his head off, but he came out unscathed. Uh, my driver was not so fortunate. had some shrapnel bounce off the windshield and uh, hit him in the head and ended up taking his life. Um, we had two gentlemen in the back that were that were scouts that were also supposed to be um, lookouts for any anything um, inconsistent in the environment. Um, they suffered minor injury. Uh, so when it when it happened, um, all of the communications in the vehicle uh, completely went off. All the lights on the vehicle completely shut down, and we were still moving forward. I had went from looking over the vehicle at the time to kind of staring directly through the windshield. Um, so I thought maybe my legs were broke from the concussion of the from the concussion of the blast or something. I had no idea that it was uh, as serious as it was. The vehicle is still moving forward, so I I thought, okay, we were just doing what we were taught to do, which is typically move out of the kill zone, find some place that's safe, and you know, uh, do a casualty assessment. You know, figure out what's going on from there, take care of any of the wounded. And uh, the vehicle continued forward, and then it veered off and and crashed into a wall. And at that point, I knew something was seriously wrong. Um, the the sergeant sitting in the passenger seat. Uh, had informed me that our driver had been hit and was seriously injured and he couldn't get out of the door on his side of the vehicle, which we later found out the, the explosive came, came through uh, the side of the vehicle with such heat that it actually welded his door shut. Um, so he asked if he could get through my way because I told him I had suffered an injury, but I didn't think it was that bad at the time. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I just, I think my legs are broke. And, and um, when I went to go move, I, fell back into the vehicle face up and he as he turned around to kind of come through to crawl through the back of the vehicle he, in, he informed me that uh, my legs were 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 chewed up um were severely injured i told him just to crawl over me at that point in time that he wasn't going to hurt me any more than i already was and he needed to take care of our driver because he was more seriously injured than i was um he got out of the vehicle i uh, spoke with uh, the two guys that were in the back, um, trying to make sure that they were okay, trying to get them to calm down a little bit because one uh, one of the guys had suffered a a little bit of uh, not shrapnel but like stone and sand and other things um, to the face. Um, tried to calm them down, told them get their weapons, get out of the vehicle, pull security, help out. Um, I dragged myself to the back of the vehicle, at which point I was met by one of the medics. Um, they started to try to to try to tourniquet my legs, but my thighs were my thighs were so large that the tourniquets wouldn't go around my legs. About this time, I started to feel uh, I started to lose um, feeling in my hands. And you know, in the military, they teach you how to save all these lives and all the indicators, you know, of what to look for when someone's dying. The only bad part about that is when you start dying, you know, you know exactly what's going on. Um, so I told him I was like, "Listen, 
I was like, you got to get me out of here. Like my hands are starting to starting to go numb, like this and that. So they got me out of the vehicle, got me into a a, a different vehicle, took me to a, a casualty collection point. Um, got lucky that where I was injured, they had a, a surgeon at that particular place that was able to to assist immediately. Um, they were able to stabilize me there, got me on a helicopter, and flew me out up uh, up towards Baghdad. Um, ended up uh, ended up kind of I didn't lose consciousness I guess on the helicopter, but they hit me up you know with the good drugs and that you know made me a space cadet at that point. So I don't really remember a whole lot of what happened after just kind of staring at the stars on the helicopter, thinking that you know my younger brother wasn't going to be burying me, um, that I wasn't going to let that happen. And, uh, but I remained conscious. I was told later that I had four major surgeries up in, uh, the trauma area near Baghdad, um, before they stabilized me enough to, to send me to Germany. Um, ended up having a few more surgeries in Germany during this time. They were having issues keeping me stable. I, I died a few times so much to the point that they thought they were going to have to, um, expedite my brother out of country. So my brother was back home on stateside with a bag ready to go after he was notified that I'd been in severe, seriously injured. They didn't think I was going to make it out of Germany, so they were getting ready to expedite my brother um, over to Germany to basically say goodbye to me, um, but ended up uh, stabilizing enough for them to get, get me back stateside. Spent a couple weeks in a coma, um, and then after that, you know, uh, my, my physical therapist and occupational therapist, they come into my room and you know, they're saying they're introducing themselves, saying this is who they are, and they asked me to to grab one of the bars above the bed. You know that I don't know what they use, the little triangle looking thing, and say, "Can you grab this?" And I'm like, "Sure." And they're like, "Can you sit up?" And I sit up, and they're like, "Great, first day." And uh, that was kind of day one of trying to get my life back together. At that point, was uh, can you sit up? So, yeah. After that, after that, spent the better part of. Two and a half years in the hospital, had uh, around 60 major surgeries, um, just trying to figure out how to get my life back together, just, you know, get back to what is now going to be the new normal, um, not even thinking or considering about doing a lot of the stuff that I do now, just how am I going to live daily, so. I mean, it's, it's as horrifying as the situation was, I find it, um, you know, that the fact that you th- were thinking of others and... You know, it's something that we you wish you could never let happen to anybody and change it, you know. Um, what's your thoughts on the war at the moment? Are you, I mean, have you made peace with what happened or is it still, is it still something you struggle with daily? Uh, no, uh, to be honest with you, I really wasn't angry even kind of from the get-go. Um, I I understood that you know, we were there doing a job. I understood that the people that we were fighting against, they were there doing their job. And um, it was what it was. It, you know, it was what it was. It is what it is, however you want to say it. Um, you know, if the, sh- if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, I would have, you know, we would have taken their life if we would have found them before they got to us. So it's just, uh, it's the nature of the beast. So I can't be mad at it. Um in all honesty, so it's not something I let bother me. I just, I knew as an adult when I joined the military, especially one that was so entrenched in war that there could be possible side effects. Now, to be honest with you, I, I 
was fully fine with possibly dying. I never thought that it was going to be, um, you know, like this. I didn't expect to suffer some sort of catastrophic injury and have to live with it after that. So I can say that in itself was unexpected. I, I guess I really hadn't prepared for that. I, you know, you kind of prepare to, you kind of prepare for one or the other, either coming home or I'm not. There's nobody ever really tells you about that in between ground. Um, so yeah, that was unexpected for sure, but no anger, no animosity. I mean, I find that I find it remarkable because, you know, we have a society where small incidents can make somebody show hatred and emotion. You know, how did you? How do you think you bounce back from something that would, well, in my opinion, would crush lesser men? You know, you've turned your life around and inspiring others. Is in your way of thinking, how you, how did you manage that? Was it? Uh, it, it? It wasn't something like overnight, let me put it that way. Uh, you know, there's definitely, you know, low points. Um, there's definitely frustrating moments. Um, the best way that I kind of like in my situation is that, you know, you've lived a life and you know how things are done, you know how to do things, and then you have to start over. It, it's like being reborn again, like a baby, but you still have all of this knowledge of of how to do things, but now you have to find a new way to do these things. And it's trying to find the patience and figuring those new ways out. Um, so there are absolutely moments where, you know, I was on the floor wanting to throw my wheelchair out of a window, like, like just like, fuck this thing. And, um, you, you know, for all the things that I do now, there are plenty of, of like personal moments or private moments that um, absolutely the level of frustration was through the roof or it was just like, I'm done with this, or why does it have to be this way? Um, and I, I don't know, you know, a lot of it I think goes back to kind of just how I was raised. You know, I was, I was just, you know, we were raised to understand that things happen and that, you know, we are, you know, my father used to say, I, I distinctly remember a conversation with my father. I couldn't have been maybe but 11, 10 or 11, and we just lost my grandmother. And my grandmother had been living with us since I was like two or three and had raised us. And we just lost her to cancer and, you know, was just sad. Came home from school and, and you know, the chair that she was always sitting in in the kitchen to greet, to greet my brother and I, she wasn't there and it was empty. And I remember I was just crying. And it was, and my father, like, he got home from work and, you know, we were just, I was just crying and he, he took me and he sat down and he was like, you know, he's like, listen, he's like, we're cold chars. He's like, we're survivors. He's like, we get through this. He's like, life is going to throw shit at you sometimes. And he's like, but you're tough. He's like, you're a culture. We are survivors. This is what we do. He's like, we will get through this and we will be fine. And I don't know, you know, it's, it, it just, I really think a lot of the attitude that I carry now with me resonates back to that conversation because I think to myself, you know, am I making my grandmother or my father proud? It, you know, what I'm doing now, is this something that they would be proud of? You know, am I, you know, am I getting through this the way that I know I can, the way that I was taught that I can get through this? And, um, you know, that's not something that other people have you know that's a personal experience that i'm able to draw on. but other people they might have some sort of personal experience or something that they need to draw on. it's just figuring out what it is for them um that 
that gives them that like in, intestinal fortitude to want to keep driving forward or to or to make themselves better. But for me, it's I, I distinctly remember that moment growing up where you know I was told this is what we do. We're survivors. We get through shit. So. No, and I can I can definitely say that they'd be proud of what you're doing because you know you've done so much for other people. There's so much love for you on the Facebook page, and you know it's. Was there at the time when the accident happened? You know, did you was there anything that you distinctly remember that made you laugh or you felt really funny? You know, was there something that kind of a light in the darkest moment or? It cheesy as that question sounds. No, it's uh You know, was it a positive that maybe you can remember or it was you know in the beginning it was kind of just uh getting the nerve to talk about uh kind of what had happened. Uh you know, and and now you know like I, I shared my story with you a little bit about, about what happened and I've shared it with plenty of other people, and it's interesting because you say, you know, you have this effect on people, and these people just really support you, or you're helping change lives. And, you know, it's kind of ironic because what, you know, me having the opportunity to share my story is therapeutic in a, in a way for me. So I think it was kind of like the first time I was able to actually talk to somebody and be truthful, you know, because, you know, sometimes you give people just versions of what you want them to hear. And I think it was the first time that. I was able to like truthfully tell the story in its entirety and kind of what I was going through in my head in those moments and, and share that, you know, share those personal thoughts that I think really um, allowed me to, to, to see that, you know, this is kind of helping me by doing this and, you know, kind of seeing how that the reaction from the gentleman that I was speaking to, you know, kind of seeing his reaction of, of you know maybe drawing some some energy or something positive from me at that same time so it was i guess maybe at that point it was a silver lining that reflecting back i think was it, it was huge um in the moment maybe i didn't quite realize how important it was but i think maybe that was kind of the very first step for me and uh being able to wrap my head around the situation and and maybe trying to take this forward in a positive way no, I, I mean I, I'm really, really blown away by your the positivity and the, you know, the way you look out in life. It's so it's amazing to think that some would, you know, go into depression, despair, and you're looking to what you can do with it. You know, um, so how did you get into doing challenges? I mean, you've done some amazing things, but. What on earth made you want to carry, sto- you know, carry a stone around an assault course and things like that? Uh, you know, after I was injured, um, it was a lot of just, uh, you know, what, you know, well, this is kind of what you're able to do. It was a lot of the the physical therapy, occupational therapy community at that point in time. We're talking almost ten years ago now, nine years ago. Um, you know, it, it was very clear cut. You know, people were definitely doing uh, their recovery out of textbooks, and uh, you know, the majority of the patients that they, you know, that they, these people were used to dealing with were usually like elderly people or people that were out of shape or, or things like that. And you know, here's Walter Reed, the this epicenter of of young 
active individuals that have now suffered some sort of severe trauma. And it's like all of these years of all of these years of education and, you know, you know, going step by step for like treatment out of these books doesn't work because here you have a bunch of young, you know, guys and some gals that are they still want to live their life. It's not about just can we like it's not just about can we get these people to, you know, just be able to be able to do their daily tasks, you know, normal things that that a person does like get up and use the bathroom and care for themselves and be able to go grocery shopping. Like that's where they were at at that point in time. So when I was going through there and it was, and I continued to want to try to push, push their recovery efforts. Like I want to try this. I want to try that. It was very much like met with, um, met with concern. And, you know, you'd sometimes you'd have to tell these, these providers, you're like, listen, I, I literally took a bomb to the ass. I'm not fragile. Like, you know, I can I can try this, and if I fall, so what? And it was just it was completely blowing some of these PTs' minds. You know that mindset of of you know I'm not fragile, I can take it. And I, and it wasn't just me. There were it was a whole room full of guys and girls that were just like me. And so in the beginning, it was a lot. You're you're constantly being told, you know, this is what we expect from you. This is about as far as you're going to get. And then, uh, you know, I was introduced to a group uh, uh, called, you know, Achilles International, and they out, out of New York, and they do hand cycling, and they're like, hey, how would you like to hand cycle a marathon? And I was like, ah, piss off. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. And they, they kept asking for probably, oh, at least a year. You know, they would come from New York once a month and say, hey, do you want to go outside, give this thing a try? Finally, after about a year, I, I gave into it, and I went up to New York. They do this thing called Hope and Possibilities. Um, it's in Central Park. It's five miles in Central Park, um, like the third weekend in June every year. And it's not just veterans. It's it's everybody. from ch- you know They have children's programs all the way up to, to their uh, veterans program, which is what I'm in. And they want to get people out, and they want to – Want them to start, you know, try to be able to show them that they can still do something. So I go out on this hand cycle, and it's it's basically a wheelchair that sits really low to the ground, um, has these arms up front that are similar to, like, uh, pedals on a bicycle, but you use your hands to, to push it, hence why it's called a hand cycle. And um, did five miles around around Central Park in New York and was like, this is amazing. Um you know, the wind it was going fast again and, the, and was outside and it was just nice because it was kind of like I was on my own. It's, you know, some people like to run and sometimes the reason they like to run is because that's their way of being in their own head with themselves to think about whatever and just enjoy nature or the outdoors or whatever the case may be. And for me, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I can, it's something that, that gets me out that I can do on my own, that I can be left alone to my thoughts and I'm outside and I'm breathing in the air and I just feel great. So they get, you know, I expressed interest in wanting to do uh, my very first marathon here in Detroit, Michigan, which was my home base. Uh, Michigan was my home. So they let me borrow a hand cycle and I did my very first marathon. Um, Albeit I didn't really, I didn't train for it much and I made the mistake of going out with my brother and my cousin the night before and drinking, so I wasn't really, you know, I, but I did it, you know, and really what got me through that wasn't, um, 
it wasn't that I was like necessarily physically prepared for, but it was it was just grit. You know, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish it. So it wasn't great. I was hurting for days afterwards, but you know, I finished it. And from there, you know, that's really what kind of got the ball rolling on. Well, what can I do now? So now it's like I want to start training and see how far I can push myself in this. And then, you know, with that, um, I got a couple years later, I got introduced to CrossFit and CrossFit was really another game changer for me. Um, because I, you know, I had power lifted in high school. I'd always liked the gym, the traditional, you know, what some might call bro lifting, you know, like your bench, your squat, your deadlift. Um, that's what I'd done growing up in high school for sports. I'd power lifted. That's what I knew. And CrossFit was something completely different. And it was interesting to me. And a buddy of mine wanted to see if we couldn't figure out how to adapt programming for an individual like myself. So, I mean, I, I started out, you know, not being able to, to do hardly anything. You know, the, the unique thing about CrossFit is um, it's, you know, like gymnastics and lifting and Olympic lifting and cardio all wrapped up into one at any given moment. And so I started doing stuff like that, learning how to, like, do pull-ups and learning how to do, you know, move my own body weight around and move my own body around. And um, I started doing this, and that's uh, that's when I really started to to lose weight you know the hospital had ballooned me up to like 360 pounds because i was just not doing anything and they had me on a ridiculous diet and i was just fat and then i retired and they were like oh you don't have to do anything now you're good and i was just like lazy and retired and then you know doing the hand cycling and then getting into the crossfit um really changed my whole world ended up losing a little over 100 pounds so far still have some weight to go um still like to lose another 40 or 50 but um, the CrossFit really changed my life because now it showed me how I could move my own body weight around. And it really taught me to get out of my wheelchair and start doing things. Because I, I, when I first started, I was all, always trying to figure out, how can I do this in a wheelchair? How can I do this in a wheelchair? And I finally realized that the wheelchair was actually kind of a prison. The wheelchair was actually preventing me from being as mobile or as active as I could be. It's great to use day-to-day to get around, but it just was preventing me from being able to, you know, really do what I can do. So um, once I started doing that, I started getting this idea of, you know, maybe I can push this even farther. What can I do to kind of push this farther or take this to the next level? And it was, uh, you know, I've always wanted to do one of these obstacle course races. They just looked fun. And I wanted to see if I could do it. So uh, a friend of mine who I was at the hospital with, he had kind of, he had gotten into doing, like, Tough mutters and some Spartan races and we were at a we were at the New York City Marathon together, and we were at a dinner the night before. And I was telling him, you know, hey man, I'd really love to do one of these races. Um, you know, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, I have a great group that I do these races with. And he's like, I think that would be awesome. Let's try to put something together. So uh, ended up getting in touch with a group called Oscar Mike. Um, so there, it's a veteran-owned apparel company, and they also have a foundation that helps uh, sponsor and, and keep veterans on the move um, and active. So on Memorial Day uh, 2015, I went out to Miller Park in Milwaukee, and we did a Spartan race out there where we basically crawled around the baseball field. Well, I crawled around the baseball field. Some of the – and the rest of the group, you know, that was there, they did the race and, um, you know, certain obstacles that I needed assistance with, like walls and things like that. We'd get – 
give me a boost to grab the top so I could try to get up and over it. And, uh, you know, we started as a team, we finished as a team, and that was really a game changer for me. That's what really changed. Um, and I know I've said this a couple times. I guess I've, I've kind of had a progression on on um, these kind of like life-altering events or, or doing things with these groups that have just been life-altering, and they really have. Um, but, yeah, that, that changed things because I started to see that, you know, how far I really could push myself. So, and, and it's just kind of been one of those things since I, I continue to try to push myself in, in a different dynamic. The obstacle course races, they're always challenging. Um, I've done a few now at the, of the shortest ones that they offer. Um, in May though, I'm getting ready to try Spartan's longest race, not longest, but, um, one of their longer ones, which is going to be about three times the distance of anything that I've done. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it looked like something I wanted to do. I really wanted to see how far I could push myself. And, um, you know, it turns out, it, you know, like anything in life, I mean, everybody thinks that they can do everything on their own, but like every, you know, anything in life, somebody's probably helped you out with, in some small way along the way. And that's kind of how it was with Oscar Mike. You know, we started together as a team. We finished as a team. Um, you know, they helped me where I needed it, you know, and, and I, you know, you'd be surprised. I even able to help some people where they needed it. And along the way, a lot of people told me that I was inspiring them to keep pushing. So, you know, even in me just being out there, it turned out I was helping other people along their journey as well, which was, um, it, it was just, it, it was incredible. I can't say it's incredible in the moment while I'm out there because I mean, it just, it just sucks. Like, you there? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Somebody tried to cut in on the call. Um, but like I was saying, you know, it just, it's like, you know, a lot of the yeah, people in the groups okay. around me, like they're having fun and that's great. But like, usually when I'm out there, I'm crawling around. It's a long day. Um, it's a, it's, it's incredibly taxing. So it's not, I can't say in the moment it's fun. I can say, you know, reflecting on it is the fun part. Thinking about like, thinking about the day is the fun part, but sometimes like living in those moments, um, you're definitely in the meat grinder and it's not always one of those times where you're like, Oh man, this is a great time. I mean, I, I love that hand cycling gave you, you know, your, your freedom back and your ability to go and do what you wanted to do. Yes. So, work, I mean, you know, I've mentioned right Achilles. I, um, I don't well, work for any well of these. I just want to be clear to work for any of these, but I do, um, I have volunteer time to, to speak at different things on their behalf to help support them. Um, but like I've mentioned Achilles International and the Achilles Freedom Team, um, they, you know, I still hand cycle with them and do a lot with them. I'm going to be doing the Boston Marathon in April with them. Um, you know, like Oscar Mike, I've mentioned them. You know, I've done uh, a couple of these Spartan races with Oscar Mike. Oscar Mike even sponsored me to go down um, to Wadapalooza here in January, back in January, which was a, a large fitness festival and CrossFit competition down there. They had an, an adaptive division, which was a first really in the CrossFit world um, to have uh, an adaptive division offered for actual competition. Um, got my ass beat, but I went down there. That was a truly humbling experience without a doubt. Um, but, you know, it was what it was. The workouts didn't fall my way, and, uh, you know, some of my weaknesses were shown, but it definitely inspired me to 
to go back and work on some some things that I'm not great at. So Oscar Mike's been fantastic in in keeping me, you know, on the move as they say, and active. Um, I do some things with uh, Operation Enduring Warrior or OEW. I've done a couple obstacle course races with them, um, and they've been a and they've been a great organization. Um, you know, they've they really provide a lot of support when you're out on the course. They've been very inclusive. You know, like my wife has has ran one of the races alongside me, and I know that for her, that's been a that's probably been a a pretty big deal. You know, she talks about it quite a bit, so I get the feeling like that was maybe it was maybe good for her as well to be a part of that experience. So, I mean, that's just been amazing um, to have you know my loved ones included like that. But yeah, it's uh, you know those are those are probably the top three that I do quite a bit of uh, the activities that I do with, and then I have some involvement with a few other other groups, um, but not in the same capacity. Um, Help for our disabled troops here in Michigan has been um, I do a lot with them as far as uh, their operation side of it, but they've been great to want to um, sponsor local athletes here in Michigan to try to get them out and active doing some of this sort of stuff. Um, so I'm actually working with them right now to try to get, you know, some Michigan veterans uh, together and out to possibly do the Spartan race coming up in September. So that should be good. I wanted to make sure that these charities got the the recognition that they deserved. And I love that you're giving back to them. Um, something I did notice when I was researching into you was... You know, you've got such a beautiful family. Yes, so we just had a we just had our first son uh, um, Finnegan back in July. It's uh, yeah, um, it's been great. I've I've known for a long time that I've wanted to you know be a father, definitely have a son. Um, but uh, it's it you know it was uh, the experience as a whole was eye opening and humbling. You know, um, like I said, I I always known I wanted to be a parent, and the experience didn't really go the way we wanted it to. It took a couple of years. And, um, you know, in the beginning, it was always all, we'd love to have a son, we'd love to have a son. But by the end, we were just like, shit, we just want to get pregnant. We just want to have a, have a healthy baby. We don't care what it is. And uh, so it's, it's, it's amazing kind of how the process has really changed my mindset in that capacity um, and definitely made me appreciate what we have now. Um, but it, it's fun, you know. It's I have a, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to try to impart some of, you know, some of my wisdom, the little bit that I may have, onto him, and try to hope that I, you know, can he can grow into be the best, uh, you know, you know the the best person he can be in a productive and a productive citizen, and you know things like that. So I, it's just an opportunity for me to hopefully. Uh, you know, allow my family to, to grow. You know, I always, you know, I, I at least want my children to be better than, better than me. So I'm hoping that, you know, along the way, and we hope to have more kids. I'm hoping along the way that, you know, they can take something from me and, and find a way to, to make themselves, you know, better and, and, and make it, you know, farther than I do. Well, it sounds like you're, you're both being amazing parents. Um, <laughs> at the moment, I've got a, a nep- well, two nephews and a niece. And I right. love being, you know, the uncle, but I definitely want kids myself. Yeah, yeah, that's but how my brother is. At the moment, um, I, I can, like to hand them. He's back, very distant you know, a bit, um, during the pregnancy, crazy, but nice uh, man, as soon as 
Finn was born, he's really like stepped up as an uncle. So he's been awesome, and he's the same way. He likes to be involved, but definitely when it gets dicey, like he's like, here you go. Uh, when it's coming to changing nappies and things like that, it's like, no, no, on you go. No. So I mean, is there things that you've learned? Like, you know, what would you say your top three tips are for being a better husband, a better father? I mean, yeah, there's, there's that, definitely, there's uh, you know, there. I mean, kind of, there's things I'm still learning, you know, right? So I'm, I do a lot of stuff. I work full time, and I'm traveling quite a bit i definitely try to make my family a priority i've always tried to make my wife a priority i've always tried to make my brother a priority um because you know they they for the longest time have been the only family that i've had and now i have a son so a lot of it is you just have to you know make the people that you care about or your family a priority absolutely and even i'm still learning that you know it gets rough some nights by the time i leave work and i go to the gym and i get home and you know, I maybe see Finn for like an hour or two at most, and I have to play with him the whole time because I, I haven't seen him all day. And then, you know, maybe my wife feels neglected. I'm still figuring it out. You know, I don't have all the all the answers to everything. I'm still figuring it out. But, you know, so I'm, I have, I've been trying to find ways to, you know, make sure that I show her that I still care about her, that she's still important to me because she is. And, um, so, you know, family front's big. Uh, it, it's definitely... Um, something that's important uh other tips would be you know just uh you need to be able to find the positive in the situation you need to be able to find the positive in any, in any situation right so you know the life's always gonna life's always gonna shovel something at you you know that isn't what you're looking for but you have to try to try to find the positive out of it now the positive may be you going through the situation um, and it might not be something that's up front, you know. The answer might not be up front. It might be something you just have to have to experience. And 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 as you reflect on that experience, you know, you, you can take something from it, and that's you know going to be your positive. But um, because a couple things that I believe, I definitely believe that like suffering breeds strength. That's something that I I preach because I think it's true. I think with without it, without us all going through something or experiencing something, then one life's going to be boring, but you're not going to have anything to draw on, you know, to, to give you that strength in the future if you really do become challenged by something. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely finding something positive in those situations or those those times whenever life seems to be the most trying. And um, I would say probably my third tip is uh, it's attitude. Um you know, I know, you know, we talked a lot about positivity, but it really is. You know, I, I really believe that your attitude will dictate the outcome. Um, if you go into a situation and you have a bad attitude, chances are you're going to have a bad outcome. You know, if you think that these people are going to screw you or that, you know, they're going to be whatever and you treat them that way, chances are they're going to deliver on exactly what you expect them to be because they've, they're going to be a reflection of, of your attitude. So I truly think that, you know, in any given situation, your attitudes are going to dictate the outcome and you just have to, have to find a way. Sometimes it's hard. Um, you know, it's very difficult to, to, you know, maintain your composure, but a lot of times if you're able to maintain your composure, it kind of goes back to that whole, you know, representing yourself and who you are and, or, you know, if you're, you know, speaking or talking or representing something larger than you, you know, it goes back to that. Um, not all situations are going to be easy. You know, some people will try to push your buttons, and it's it's just a matter of, uh, you know, maintaining, you know, your your attitude, you know, maintaining that positive attitude, maintaining, 
you know, uh, uh, an, an attitude that's going to allow you to get through that situation, you know, in a positive manner. So, right. And there's uh, there's that saying in there that if you point the finger of blame at somebody, there's four pointing straight back at you. And it's it's like you're saying it's it's all about how you adapt to the situation. It's how you handle the situation, and that if you can see the positive in something, you know you can certainly make the best of a situation. So see if you know people that you've spoken to, um, people listening, if they're using their excuses to hold themselves back from doing what they want. What kind of things would you say to them to inspire them to go after what they they've been wanting you know, to do? But you I, I I would tell them you know what yeah. I mean. You have to you, you have to so find that purpose that you're passionate about, back. right? Because if they're allowing, if I tell them you know if you're allowing, um, you know, these excuses to hold you back, is this something that you truly want to do, or is this something that you're truly passionate about? Maybe your attention's focused completely in the wrong direction. Because a lot of times if people are letting little things prevent them from doing something that they think is going to be life-changing or this uh, uh, amazing experience, chances are it's probably not as important to them as they think it's going to be. And maybe they need to to find something that they're truly passionate about that will get them past being able to make them little excuses. Um, so sometimes you know people are just focused on the wrong things. A lot of times if they're letting small things or, or little excuses get in their way, chances are it's probably not something they, they truly care about or they're truly passionate about. It's just something that maybe they've, they, at some point along their journey, they've thought that they need this or they need to have this experience to validate something. Um, but if you do, you know, if you do or you find something that you're passionate about, that you care about, you won't have little things stop you. You won't have little excuses stop you uh, or you won't let them stop you because, you know, you can tell when people are passionate about something. I mean, like, my wife sometimes, you know, when we start talking about um, certain things, uh, for me, you know, it's it's like veterans and like people preventing, you know, you know, people allowing little things to stop them, things like that. I start when I start talking about some of this stuff. Like sometimes she thinks I get upset, and I'm like, no, I just I just have so much like I, I speak with such passion. Like my voice just becomes so firm, and she thinks like I'm getting upset, and I'm not, and it's. Uh, you know, sometimes you just can't get how you feel out fast enough. Um, that's how I, I know, like, this is, I was just telling her today, you know, I would have never thought that I would be doing stuff within the fitness community and this and that if you'd asked me years ago. But the more that I, I, I get to do these things, the more people that I get to meet, the more people that I get to, you know, have some sort of positive effect on or help maybe get past whatever barriers that, that they're facing, it just, it, it cements for me that this is like the direction I should be going because I, it, it just completely reaffirms the passion that I have. And, and it doesn't like the fire doesn't seem to like dwindle down. It seems to just like flare up sometimes, like the more I, I get into some of this stuff. So um, for me, I would say people just need to find what they're passionate about when they do that. Other people will see that they're doing something that they love and they will surround themselves with positive people and, you know, things will change. They'll notice their quality of life is different when you're doing something that you love because the people that, like, the people that support you and care about you, they'll be the ones that are around you because the people that don't, they'll fade away. And you'll see the impact that you're having not only on others but on your own life. So um, for me, I just, it's always trying to tell people, you know, if they're doing something that they love and care about, 
people will see it and they will be successful. Success isn't always measured by money or how much stuff you own or this or that or whatever. Sometimes it's just like what your quality of life is. Do you love waking up in the morning? That's you know that could be measured as success for self. You can feel the passion when you talk about this. I can feel that this is something you're passionate about, and you know, so to say, emotion creates emotion. You know, if you're doing something that you enjoy and you're doing things, it makes you, know, yeah, you start to enjoy what you're doing. I've got a couple of friends who have disabilities and stuff. What do you wish people would remember about um, disabled people? Is there something that really annoys uh, you about there's this, how... Uh, for me, anyway, I believe that there's this common misconception like that uh, a person that has a disability or is in a wheelchair wants a person that doesn't to feel sorry for them. Um, most of the time, you know, those of us that have some sort of disability or barrier that's, you know... Uh, sometimes I hate the word disability. I, I, I use barrier a lot because I think sometimes disability is a, has a negative connotation and it's just it, it's almost like meant to keep you down. But um, that's just my personal opinion. But uh, a lot of times when you start dealing with people that are that have you know barriers to overcome, uh, those people are strong. You know, I mean they, especially if you see see them out in the world doing their thing. Okay, they they're they're overcoming some things just to do that i mean it's not just uh you know when you get out in the world especially me like i have no legs i mean i might as well be like a carnival sideshow you know people love to stare and i get it it's not something that people see every day right but you know that's just one more thing that i could let you know get me down or, or drive me indoors but i don't and it's like that for everyone you know somebody maybe has forearm crutches and they walk you know, awkwardly funny because of whatever their disease is prevents them from being able to have the mobility to have a typical gait. You know, people are going to, you know, people stare at that stuff, right? They stare at what's different. And um, most of the time, at least the people that I know that that have, you know, overcome something or that have some sort of barrier or disability, they don't want people's sympathy. Like, you can talk to me like a regular person. I'm not I'm 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 not a special case, you know. I get a lot of times I have so many people that'll tell me good luck. Well, good luck with with things. It's like and I get maybe I understand that they couldn't fathom having to live life without legs and maybe in their mind they're like shit, if that was me, I would have eaten a bullet a long time ago. And, you know, cuz I just sit there and when they say good luck, I'm I'm always kind of shocked. And, and, you know, usually, you know, my knee-jerk response is, well, good luck to you, too. Because I, I'm, I'm chuckling on the inside because it's like, man, when, when a person just, tell, just tells me good luck, I think, they must think my life is shit. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I think to myself, you know, I, I do okay. Uh, you know, I, 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 I work. I'm able to do all these other things. I'm able to travel. I have an amazing family. And I'm thinking, what the, what the fuck do I need your luck for? Like I'm creating, I, I've created my own luck. So I guess I just kind of like chuckle in my head a little bit because I'm like, no matter what this person has said to me and how nice they were, you know, at the end of the conversation, they go and ruin it. And they're like, good luck. Because to me, that's like their way of saying, you know, man, your life's over or shit. Good luck with that on your journey. So I think what a huge common misconception is just people think that we want, that they want, we want sympathy. You know, those of us in this situation. And I think a lot of people miss the point that most of us are, are 
probably hard as fuck. Like we we're, we've overcome some shit, and we're you know mo- most people are probably tougher than they think. And you know we don't have to be like treated with kids gloves, or you don't have to walk around on eggshells. Most of the time, you're probably not going to offend us. Most of the time, our humor is probably going to offend you because we'll make like a cripple joke, or we'll or we'll even use the word cripple, and people, oh my god, you should see people cringe. And it's like it's okay, I'm in a chair, you know, and. Uh, it's just kind of funny because sometimes I know myself and some other people will do that just for kind of the shock and awe value, just because it's like, okay, you know, you're, you know, some people are just being whatever, and it's like, you just, it's time for us to separate because you're not going to ever get it. But yeah, I think people completely miss the fact that if, if you have a disability or you're in a chair or whatever, that chances are you have probably overcome and you are overcoming some great odds to be able to continue to live your life and that that's a strong individual. I think that's an absolutely brilliant answer and uh, it's something that people need to remember is nobody wants sympathy. They just want to be treated like a human being and something that I love to finish off these kind of conversations is um, a fast questions. So in, I throw a couple of statements out and then a couple uh, of words you reply back. Right now, um, so I've been digging sidewalks by the weekend. Song, for instance, I think I, I, I would consider that. him more like rap R and B, maybe I guess. So I would, it, it's the weekend in Kendrick Lamar. It's it's really good. Kind of just talks about like uh, like surviving through rough situations. Maybe that's why it resonates with me. <laughs> Um, so is that uh, your to be honest with you, I listen to everything. Um, I mean, when I say everything, I mean everything. I have uh, my playlists like contain everything from country to rock to like rap to R and B, all the way to I even keep some classical. Um, so I mean, it really just depends. Each every day is different, you know. Um, every mood's different, but I would say I've been I've been resonating with that one uh, quite a bit recently. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say your favorite film? I mean, well, let's face it. Uh, uh, Christmas favorite. Like Let's go with uh, Christmas Vacation. That's always a winner. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy, I enjoy like movies. Can, um, for me, once again, I I will watch everything. Um, it's more of kind of a mood. Um, but yeah, there are definitely some movies that will always draw you in. Uh, usually, something Wolf Ferrell like will always draw me in and and keep my attention just because, uh, you know. It's it's always fun to laugh, and he's ridiculous. Yes, certainly something else, that guy. Um, um, who's your? I'm gonna have to go with. I would say the I would say the Ninja Turtles. I know it's not one, but I'd say the Ninja Turtles. I like the Ninja Turtles. I would yeah, yep, same here. You know, um, it's one of the first films I ever saw as a child. Um, I loved the Teenage Mutant <laughs> Hero Turtles, and I I still remember that with the first yeah. one when they fought Shredder. Yeah, so yeah, same here. Same here. It was just phenomenal film. Still happily watch it to this day. Yeah. So say you could have five people alive or dead. Round for dinner, huh? Um, Round for dinner. Who would you pick? Yeah, man, that's kind of a tough one. Um, I would say, man, that's kind of a tough one. I definitely would want some historical figures. I I definitely would would like to hear uh, hear what Lincoln would. I would definitely like to hear Lincoln's perspective on some things um i definitely think you know the history of of america right now is is definitely um being put into question with everything um so it would be interesting i think to hear uh from some of the the you know the key figures in american history i'm sorry i i can't really get more specific than that but i would i would say for me that would be interesting what see um, a boy? growing a dream uh, ambition for you 
I don't know. Maybe I always wanted to be in the military. I see photos of me running around always playing G.I. Joes as a kid, but I do remember when I was, uh, when we had to like look at careers and things that we wanted to do when we grow up, um, in like middle school and in preparation for high school. I always used to be, um, drawn to like aeronautical engineering. And I don't know why. It's nothing I've ever pursued, but um, I, I just I, I read into it and I really liked it, and that was what I always kind of uh, like gravitated towards. And for some reason, I never followed through as an adult. Followed through the GI Joe part though as an adult. What's a guilty pleasure of yours that you well, that you'd want to admit to? Is it a dodgy um, song you listen to? Or yeah, I would probably say I would say lasagna. That um, like that's like one of my all-time favorite foods and um, it just doesn't fit with my lifestyle now so usually on my birthday maybe like once a year I'll I'll, I'll make like a pan of lasagna and, and treat myself but that's about that's about it so who who inspires you you know is there are there people like people in a podcast or is it maybe family or you know I mean you, you know to so be honest with you it's uh, a lot of my is peers there somebody that you um, to or I had, you know, being at Walter Reed, you're you're there with a bunch of other individuals that have some sort of like amputation uh, similar to your own. On a different, it, it all they all vary, but I have a few. There are a few different individuals that um, I was at the hospital with, and even uh, met after the hospital. Uh, that you know, I see what they do because we all do different things. You know, we all kind of have our our own little things, but there are other. Got you know guys and and some girls that are out there that are doing a lot of things and staying active and pushing their limits and to be honest I I draw a lot of inspiration from them seeing what they're doing seeing how they're pushing themselves and uh, you know sometimes I'm like man I'm not I I don't know you know I look at some of the stuff some of my friends do and I'm like I'm like maybe you know maybe I'm not pushing myself enough or sometimes they inspire me to try to do some of the stuff you know I told you I had a friend that does these obstacle course things and. I was like, that looks like fun, and you know, so he he kind of inspired me to to see what I could do. So, um, you know, I don't have any great sports figure or somebody that's famous. It's actually just a bunch of uh, just a bunch of military vets that um, are like missing limbs or something, you know, that continue to push their boundaries and continue to find new ways to do things and have different adventures. So. So a lot of times I draw my inspiration from, I would say probably I would say my peers. So what is the ultimate challenge for you? You know, have you got another thing apart from? The, I would try the, to climb a mountain. What would you? It's a it's on my list of things that I would like to try to do. I'd like to work my way into that. So doing some of these obstacle course races are, I guess, maybe an unconscious way of me trying to like build up my my stamina, see what I can do. Um, I would like to to summit a mountain. It doesn't have to be a large one. Um, I would be perfectly satisfied with anything here in the in the continental U.S. Uh, or maybe Alaska would be fun. Go up and mess with Denali, but uh, just because Alaska is Alaska. But I don't have a, you know the desire to to summit the tallest one. But I would love to climb a mountain at some point and just be like, yep, did it. Can still do whatever, um, you know, and then. Right about that point where I'm feeling amazing, I'm at the top of this mountain, it'll sink in that I still have to crawl back down the mountain, and it'll just be like, ah, shit. But, but yeah, so I, I don't know. That's on my bucket list. I saw, um, I saw you know, something on the Internet where you can do this adventure where you can do, like, 
sled dogs up to the Arctic Circle uh, during a certain time of year is the ice breaking, and you can see like polar bears like diving in the open water to fish, and you can like scuba with norwals and shit. Maybe if I can, if I can, you know, decide to save enough money, maybe I'll go do something like that. I think that'd be cool. Figure out how to do some snowshoes on prosthetics or something. Um, so I have a couple like, so I have a couple like big ones on my list of like things that I would like to do, but a lot of what I'm doing now, I think, are kind of just ways of me trying to see what I can do. That way I don't maybe get in over my head with some of these other ones. And and I still think even if I wasn't over my head, I'd find a way to to figure it out. But, um, but yeah, so I have, those are a couple of the big ones on my list of, of things that I would really like to try to, try to do. Um. Uh, you have quite an interesting nickname. Yeah, it's it's the the raging panda, and uh, so that is a nickname that came from my time at Walter Reed, um, and how it came about is actually an interesting story, and it's actually had a, it, it it's actually transitioned a little bit over time. So, how it originally came about when I was in the hospital and I was a a single, freshly injured soldier, um, I would I would ask the nurses and the people that were taking, you know, the females that were taking care of me, I would constantly ask them to go out on dates and how they were doing and things like that. Um, and my, my orthopedic surgeon, um, the one who did all the revisions on my, and did my amputations, everything like else, funny guy, amazing guy, dubbed me the sexual harassment panda from South Park. Well, it, because, you know, I just, I'm missing the limbs and being the bigger guy that I am. Um, they, people used to be like, oh, you look like a panda bear. And then, you know, if you ever looked into pandas, all they ever do is eat and sleep. So there was a period in recovery where all I ever did was eat and sleep. So, you know, they were kind of likening me to a panda bear at the time. And then my my surgeon was like, yeah, I'm going to call you the sexual harassment panda bear because every time you come out of surgery, you hit on the, the nurse that's there. And uh, so that was kind of the running joke for a little bit. And then as I've started to, um, so I've always been a panda bear. And the running, and it's just, that's kind of been the running joke that I'm a panda bear. And then as I started doing other stuff, um, people, would, my brother would joke around and be like, oh, you wouldn't like him when he's angry, you know, the like they say about the Hulk or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's an angry little panda. And then that turned into, you know, the raging panda as I started to do more stuff. So it's kind of evolved over over time. But, uh, but yeah, it was, they just, they kind of always likened me to a panda bear at the hospital and, uh, that's, it's just kind of stuck with me. And then as I've started doing more of this stuff, kind of just picked up the whole, uh, like they, my brother and some, some, uh, close people started just calling me a, a raging panda there because, you know, they're basically saying, you know, that it was just a, becoming unstoppable. So, and that's kind of just how it's stuck and it's fun. Everybody loves panda bears, right? <laughs> Well, it's certainly something that kind of maybe double take when I seen it. You know, I watched the video of you on the salt course. And they yeah, you, you I always joke around. I'm like, you know, you don't ever see anything in nature mess with panda bears because everything else in nature knows better. <laughs> I just, you know, it's it's just kind of a, a joke because the whole panda thing. So you always get people that are like a panda bear, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you ever notice you never see anything in nature messing with a panda bear? You never see anything trying to, like, hunt a panda bear? I was like, because the other animals know better. They just let the panda just chill. So say if you had all mankind right now listening, are you... You know, the floor is yours. Is there anything that you want to say to people listening? 
Um, is there any? No, I mean, you know, um, I'll the, totally steal it from a, a Will Ferrell movie. Case, everybody so. love everybody. Um, you know, I think that that's. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, if everybody, if, if I was able to just talk to everybody, that would be the message. Um, having had the opportunity to do some of the things that I've done, be in some of the parts of the world I've been in, and um, just a lot of the experiences, um, definitely learned that most people are just trying to live and get along, um, but it's just different ideologies and, and, and backgrounds that seem to just get in the way sometimes. Uh, so I would say if everybody just you know maybe sat down and had dinner together, that would be cool, because I was definitely in the military. Um, food... Food in the military is definitely uh, a bonding factor. You know, the military is built up of people from all these different backgrounds. Um, and I tell you what, you start cooking for each other and people start kind of showing you where they're from and you show them where you're from, you know, through your food. I mean, that just right there uh, builds bonds and, like, you know, you start to appreciate other people, other cultures, where they're from, what they're about. Um, so, yeah, I would just say everybody love everybody. I mean... Oh, it's it's a good message. Well, if unfortunately if more people listen to it, we would be in the mess we're in now. Um, so, I mean, I truly cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Um, you've blown me away with your how you your outlook on life, and you've inspired me. And you're honestly one of the nicest people I've had the pleasure to speak to so far. Um, is there a way that people can keep track of what you're doing and sponsor you if you're doing competitions? or? Uh, absolutely. Right now, um, have the Raging Panda on Facebook. Um, Instagram, you know, have Instagram and Twitter. Um, can be found on both of those uh, to kind of follow along, see what I'm doing. I can be reached through all of those. Um, I can be reached through all of those forums. Going to uh, actually be starting, uh, actually going to be booting up my own website, kind of blog here within the next week or so. Um, that's going to be the Adaptive Man, um, more or less going to kind of chronicle uh, what I do day to day. Well, not day to day, but you know some of the things that I do, some of the adventures I I, I go on, um, how I've adapted, you know, be, becoming a how I've adapted parenting. Um, just, you know, kind of address some things that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't find out there. There was a lot of when I was getting ready to be a father trying to find how things were done or how I could do things. And I don't know, just going to kind of share my story and share my journey. And it's going to be a little more personal than maybe what I have on some of my other social media sites, because like I say, it's going to address like parenting and, you know, how I parent and things like that as far as, as an adaptive individual. So, um, that's going to be hopefully up and running within the, within the week. Um, but, yeah, I can, I can be reached through all of my social media. I absolutely do uh, motivational or inspirational speaking um, for in any capacity. I, I can 100% um, customize my message towards, towards the needs of the individual. I've spoken with schools, at-risk youth. I've spoken for large companies. Um, and you know, as well as nonprofits and everything in between. Um, so it's 100% something that I love doing. I bring a lot of passion to it. Um, I talk a little bit about my story, and I talk a lot about 
um, you know, having a purpose and finding a purpose and, you know, working towards that, setting goals. So I can absolutely uh, bring a different dynamic into into anybody, in, into any situation and can completely uh, customize it towards, you know, their needs. Uh, I'm more than happy. I mean, I really hope it takes off because you're, I'm an, honestly an amazing person. You've motivated me, inspired me, and I'm <laughs> sure you're just going to continue from strength to strength. Um, obviously, I'm not going to say good luck, um, but, uh, you know, I just want to thank you, Nick. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've had a great day, and you've just blown me away even more. So uh, I'm, I'm really uh, No, just, you know, thank you. Uh, I really, uh, I really appreciate it, and I'm humbled that you'd even want to want me to share my story. Um, so thank you very much. Um, likewise, it's been a pleasure. You've been fun to talk to. You've asked some great questions and hopefully I uh, gave you some great responses. So thank you again for, like I say, just inviting me to be a part of a part of what you do. That means a lot. Thank you. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time. Keep trying to hit that next level in your life.